Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. I
only things. Danny wanted a mother. I killed the man who I murdered To say that my rematch with the machine creature was a disappointment would be a vast understatement. With my hands unable to enter the fray, there was nothing the creature could offer me. Nothing besides an inevitable victory, that is. While his strength was beyond human, his lack of speed, fighting prowess, strategy, basic intellect, and overall guile more than counterbalanced any advantage his might afforded him. In fact, it was his inordinate durability that ultimately damned the poor fellow, allowing me to humiliate and hurt him long after a normal man's body would have allowed him to fall. In the end, I kicked his kneecaps in, and gravity seized its prize. Immediately after, I crippled his flailing, infectious arms, my leaden sledgehammer more than adequate for smashing them to stillness. After several blows, naturally. There we are. Now we can talk in peace. Or should I say, I can, given the unfortunate loss of your jaw. But fret not, machine man. Your ability to nod should suffice. Let's start in order of importance, shall we? Excellent. A man came here, Dylan Wicked. Somewhat well known in his own right. Is he still here? Be honest, or I'll scrape your chassis clean of all its metallic organs and replace them with dirt and rocks and roadkill, whatever detritus I happen upon. You should also consider your unnatural endurance. Your pain and indignation could last for quite some time. Is that a nod? Please, nothing half-hearted. A full nod yay or an appreciable shake of the head nay. No half-measures. I haven't the time or patience for insolence. Perfect. So now that we've established that he's here, is he alive? The question brought me to the edge of an emotion, a cliff overhanging the void. How would I feel if Dylan were dead? All the strength I'd cultivated, of both mind and body, and the thought of his absence cut to the quick of me. Where once solitude was the world I walked, its wide vacancy all the room I could ever need to stretch out in. It now seemed constricting, 
oppressive. Talking of the world, sharing thoughts, hunting together, killing together. I've been changed by it all, completely, perhaps irrevocably. I could not go back to that place, an empty world. When the metal man nodded in the affirmative, I exhaled a breath I hadn't realized I'd been holding. <sighs> Excellent. You've done very well, my rusty friend. Since I find myself feeling charitable, I'll make this quick. I really did believe that I could make a quick end of the creature. Additionally, I consider myself a man of honor, or at the very least, a creature who operates in accordance with its principles. Moreover, the machine man had indeed answered all my questions, and yet I proved incapable of making good on my assurance. Thankfully, I made the man no actual promise, but the fact remained. It took some time to see his death. In the end, all I could do was stomp flat his screaming, severed head. And even with that, I remain uncertain whether he passed, as I might have heard a muffled whimper while I departed. But with all his screaming, I couldn't chance being discovered. It was bad enough I had to leave a body behind. But such was the price for piggery. Utilizing the information I'd gathered from him, I walked to a badly rusted bridge that crossed a small rivulet of dirty orange water. The road was now made entirely of corroded, perforated metal, peeling scabs of rust crunching underfoot like dried leaves. From there, I could behold the hospital, and more interestingly, the shaft of dim orange light that drifted down from a hole within the apex of the dome above the city. It gave off a sort of radiation, this grubby illumination, as I could feel my body, my thoughts, try to assume a certain and sterile order. While rationality was no stranger to the inside of my skull, this brand of reason presided over a sort of weakling calculus, something that justified sloth and safety and sanctity, the desire, the justification, for seeking shelter in mindless, repetitive cycles. I thought of what I'd learned since awakening, the cities I'd passed, the safety and resources I could secure given my particular attributes. The light called upon me to take up the moment and escape the city, find shelter, preserve what I had, wait for some semblance of order to overtake all the recent chaos, to pray for the ordinary to come once again and lift me up, put me back upon the treadmill. Here was the spirit of organized compliance. From the want to deny the passage of time its sway, to the act of paving the future with the past, trying to impose artificial cycles into the seasons of the universe, all for the sake of injecting the tawdry business of humanity into nature. Now, I'm certainly no respecter of nature, for if the raising of pigs is built into its design, I have only the want to dispossess it of that tendency by any means necessary. Yet my mission was fully realized, not some dim-witted, unreflective script built into the reptile portion of my brain. I was just surprised that such a bland theme, tradition, should be granted its own living representation. I had to wonder about even less interesting themes. Was there some living, breathing embodiment of snoring? Perhaps an imp who presided over brunch? My personal journey was aimed at contesting a specific inequity and the living quality of the universe that governed it. 
but recent developments had me questioning the intentionality behind that inequity, whether it wasn't the product of a cruel paradigm, but rather some transcendent stupidity, a cosmic dullard who was just bad at doling out opportunity. Moving into the thick of the rusty light, I diverted its want to reproduce monotony into those patterns I employed to better navigate hostile environments like the city, all of them existing for the sake of the kill. Naturally, my feet were already upon the spiral, but the ambient, dirty light had me secured to it like never before, my mind and my movement hastened by a focus I rarely achieved. Crooked doors opened to me, orange flaking hallways swallowed me into their depths, cracked metal rooms momentarily contained me as I drifted within a sort of trance of purpose and skill. I was replaying, reliving all the paths I'd taken to acquire my prey, and they were all surprisingly, perhaps even embarrassingly, similar. It seemed I even had my place within the idle halls of tradition. With my pace enhanced by my particular manipulation of the rusty light, I'd navigated very close to my destination, the hospital. My nearness to it, or more than likely the angel of rust itself, had instigated a completely new feeling. The ambience having graduated from the phantasmal pull of predictability to something more abstract, a feeling of fear of the unexpected and the want to abrogate it. The impetus for tradition, no doubt. By the time I'd snapped out of my singularity of purpose and practice, I found myself only a few buildings away from the hospital, and I could now see where most of the dirty light concentrated. A small tower that rose from a third-story slanting rooftop. It possessed a narrow pane of colored glass, and I guessed that the tower designated both the location of the hospital chapel and the Angel of Rust itself. This last approach to the hospital contained the most impressive aspects to the city, even if its enhanced spectacle only invoked more of the bleakness at the core of tradition. The towering buildings surrounding the hospital were no less than monuments to man's hubris, his want to raise a metropolitan spirit beyond the clutch of time and change, to freeze a civic moment of prosperity in place. The virulent hues of reddish-brown swallowed the architecture whole, each structure teetering like drunken soldiers. Windows, hollow eyes that had once sparkled with vivacity, stared back with a dull emptiness that would have made even Sartre shudder. Yet beneath this morose veil, I perceived an odd form of beauty. In its terrifying abandonment and dreadful hush, there lay a brutal honesty that I found strangely appealing. The ravages of time and corrosion had sculpted the city into an embodiment of resilience, a poignant reminder of our mortality and a testament to the relentless march of time. I found a perverse peace within its desolate quarters, a familiarity, which doubtless formed a very crucial organ within the body of tradition. The city, a crackling symphony of rust, stood as a gruesome composition to the inevitable end. Yet in its bold stand against time, it was a triumphant ode to defiance itself. Stalking through the shadows of a large parking garage connected to the hospital, my stint of wandering reverie collapsed to a single point of awareness as I spied another of the machine creatures. This one had taken up a vigil in front of the doors leading out of the garage and onto the second floor of the hospital. It was a woman, 
She was seated upon a metal bench, a long, rusted spear clutched in her left hand. She wore a red cloak, and her eyes fired a beam of bright orange light into the darkness beyond her. She was not mentioned on my map, and so I assumed she'd taken up a guard due to some measure of my presence having been detected. Whether that amounted to some of the bodies I'd left in my wake, or more likely, the caterwauling of my last mechanical victim. I found pondering my options rather uncomfortable, as I had never been made to effect a rescue before. Pig slaying was almost always my goal, and even when once I traveled with Genevieve, our calling was, whether by intention or otherwise, a killing endeavor. Here, my actions, if poorly executed, could lead to the death of Wicked, which would make all this a waste of time. Pigs were creatures of waste, not me. As much as I desired to make an explosively violent entrance, testing out my new bombs and reaffirming my gauntlet's lethality, stealth was certainly more conducive to my goals. Distracting the machine woman wasn't terribly difficult. She was, after all, little more than a small town bumpkin clad in rust and a foolish ideology. My lack of finesse was shameful, throwing a small chunk of metal beyond the range of the woman's headlight eyes. After vacating her post to investigate, it was a small matter to move behind her. Again, I was confronted by an uncommon choice. Killing the metal woman and possibly alerting others of my presence, and all that implied, or pressing onward, leaving no one the wiser for my passage. I blamed my next actions on tradition, as I was not in the habit of leaving the living in my wake. And besides, as per my new understanding of the machine creatures, the blessed ones, they were pigs. If absolutely nothing else, I was a killer of pigs. Donning my gauntlets and stepping into the spiral, I waited while the creature returned to her spot on the bench. After she was comfortable and her grip upon the spear likely at its weakest, I seized her weapon. With quite a bit of effort, the spear traveled through the top of her head, breaking through the roof of her mouth and exiting her neck, blocking any screams that might want to escape. It was no mean feat, as these creatures were made of some impressive stuff. As with the last such creature I'd dispatched, she continued to live. But this time, I wasn't focused on killing, just immobilization. I had design on the thing's limbs, removing them one by one. Yet with only a flailing, blind backhand, the machine woman dashed my plans. The blessed ones were no weaklings, and the blow sent me flying into a wall, which upon impact covered me in a small avalanche of rust flakes. Landing in a crouch, I reached for my extra special handguns, suppressed 45s. The machine woman laid her eyes into me, trying to blind me with her blazing, rusty light. Unfortunately for her, they just let me zero in on her eyes. As I suspected, the rounds didn't put her down, but they blinded her well enough, which was all I intended to accomplish. Robbed of both her sight and voice, I was getting to where I wanted to be, if at a slightly hampered pace. Holstering my guns and casually making my way over to where the creature crouched, coddling whatever was left of its eyes, 
I withdrew my homemade lead hammer and prepared to get down to business. But this little pig was cleverer than the last. Once I was close enough, the machine woman shot upright, her right eye still blazing, just below the large smoking hole in her forehead. Apparently, I wasn't the dead shot I thought I was. Her steel fingernails hissed past my face as I barely pulled myself away from them. <laughs> Though her foot was an altogether different matter. The kick sent me crashing into the side of a parked car, the door taking my impression rather nicely. And despite my body armor, I was fairly certain she cracked one of my ribs. Enhancing the combat turned comedy of errors, the intercom croaked on, the nutty doctor's words filling the silence between myself and the pig of steel. Good morning, my mechanically muted muses. Today is yet another fine day in my gory and glorious pursuit of knowledge. Whether it be tucked away inside hoary-headed citizen of our scintillating steel city, or merely perched precariously upon some wonderfully worm-eaten library ledge. They're all just waiting to be cracked open, their knowledge leaking out like milk from a clobbered coconut. And a great big welcome to whoever's been making mincemeat of my merry minions. You've certainly got some titanic testicles for trying to tackle an entire city's worth of divinely inspired devotees. But whoever and wherever you might happen to be, I hope you're somewhere you can really cut a rug and get down, because this next tune is aimed right at you. Enjoy, and dance! I was so absorbed by the lunatic's soliloquy that I nearly forgot to avoid the steel fist streaking towards me. While the creatures were certainly strong enough, they were slower than molasses in January. The blessed one's fist flew past me and connected with the car at my back, lodging itself in place for a split second which was more than enough time for me to dislocate its arm with my hammer. When her free arm came swooping up at me, I decided to use all my strength, both hands and a boatload of leverage, to catch it. Not to belabor the point, but the creature's strength was substantial, but it had limits. Limits that I demonstrated by bending the machine creature's arm backward until I heard breaking metal, hissing servos, and grating cogs. With most of its attack capacity crippled, taking the thing off its feet was just a matter of kicking it in the head. Then, to the sound of outdated elevator music, I began dismantling the machine woman. Once reduced to a squirming torso, I used my hammer to force open the trunk to the car I'd been working next to. It was a perfect fit. The creature's voiceless, limbless body fits snug as a bug in a rug. Though, I did have to snap off some of the excess length to the spear sticking out of her neck to fully accommodate it. With a mechanical monstrosity packed neatly away, I made my way into the hospital.
Mechanical zombie things filled the inner halls of the hospital, all of them exactly like the bunch the townspeople of Breakersville managed to dispatch with their firearms. While they shared much in common with the so-called blessed ones, there were pronounced differences besides the lack of personality and will. They were more sloppily put together, for one. Their bodies looked more piecemeal and corroded, and they were more bulky, junky even. But most important to me was that they were less resilient than the paragons of their kind, more susceptible to death. I decided to start from the lowest point and progress to its highest, so I made my way downstairs. I was also supposing, perhaps somewhat foolishly, that if strange experiments were being conducted, they would likely be in the basement. There was just a sort of literary appropriateness to the idea, and life is ever the impersonator of art. As the elevators were probably out of the question, I took the stairs into the basement, bypassing large crowds of the shuffling mechanical creatures, and finding that the darkness was never without some alleviation, as that strange orange light existed in every part of the hospital, if only dimly. Cracking open the basement door, I spied a small line of shadows rounding a corner, which I was quick to follow. When the group came into view as they made their way down a narrow hallway of sickly orange metal, I could see there were two men, both of them white-haired, pushing another man, bound and gagged upon a hospital gurney. It seemed that if I were to continue to follow, I just might get a chance to see the good doctor at his strange, hair-changing work. And then, afterward, I would kill him, naturally. When the hallway opened into a massive room, I couldn't help but be impressed by the strange machine it contained. The thing appeared organic, its extrusions arranged in such a way as to outline a bygone biology. In place of organs, however, the device housed a variety of strange machines, all the respective wires merging somewhere behind a massive TV screen that sat directly in the middle of the contraption. And the one wire that ran down from the massive screen connected to a bizarre helmet perched atop a silver pole which was positioned next to an old ratty armchair. That time is upon us yet again, to expose the darkness that has hidden itself within us all, to give Prometheus back his fire. The crazy doctor's voice trilled from the shadow of the bizarre machine as he strode into sight, the white-headed imbeciles applauding his appearance. Thank you, thank you, my fine filtered friends. But please, take this new one to the window seat where we will all gaze and wonder at the sight that darkness has denied us. I would have certainly kept still and watched the ensuing show, had I not realized that the man upon the gurney was wicked. Red Mother is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Stephen Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld, and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page, 
or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia.